Every preacher I've ever seen, including myself, has unknown physical distractions. In other words, things that we do that we may not even realize we're doing that are distracting to our listeners. And the problem with a distracting presentation, a problem with the distracting sermon, is that the one thing that you need from your listeners, the one thing that you have to get from your listeners in order for your message to make an impact, is their attention. Without their attention, there's no way to lead them through your sermon and to have any kind of outcome from it if they're not paying attention. And if what you're doing is unknowingly distracting your audience away from your message so that their attention is taken away from what you're saying and focused on you and what you're doing, that can be a problem. Unless it's intentional and then it's not a problem, but I'm talking about when it's unintentional. I'm talking about when it's an unknown distraction that you may not even realize is happening, but is distracting from your message. In this episode, we're gonna do part two of the five physical distractions of preachers. The five things, the five habits that preachers do that can be distracting. If you wanna see part one, you can go check that out. That was last week, episode 100. This is episode 101, where we're gonna talk about part two. So every preacher needs to be aware of a potentially hazardous problem that can show up in their sermon delivery, distracting physical habits. In part one of this series, we looked at the first two distracting physical habits of preachers, turning your back to the audience to read from the screen and using filler words and vocal pauses. If you missed that episode, go back and listen to it. Today, we're going to look at the three additional distracting physical habits of preachers. Before we get into that, I just want to say welcome. If you are new here, my name is Lane Sebring. This is my YouTube channel. (laughs) This is uh, the Preaching Donkey podcast. I am your humble host. It's so awesome to have you. We talk about preaching, talk about how to preach with more impact and with more clarity and with more of a life-changing result than ever before. So if you're new here, welcome. Great to have you. Go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. That is a great place to kind of get started with our content and material. You can pick up my free 21-day guide to creating killer sermons. It's a three-week, three-step process that will walk you through how to create and deliver a compelling, life-changing message. So whether you've been preaching for a long time and you're looking for something fresh and new, or you are just getting started with preaching and you're looking for like anything (laughs) to help. I've been there. We've all been there. There's something in there for you. It will help you. And it's free. Preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. All right, let's dive into number three. So number one was turning your back to your audience to read from the screen. Number two was using physical or filler words and vocal pauses. Here we go. Number three, Aimlessly pacing back and forth on the stage. (laughs) I love this one. In college, I majored in communication. Part of the reason why I started preaching donkey, I just had a passion for communication, have have a degree in it. I have this desire to help people communicate clearly and compellingly and to marry proper biblical exegesis and preaching like tried and true preaching methods with what actually connects and communicates with human beings, good communication practices. Those two ideas are what Preaching Donkey is all about. So I majored in communication in my undergrad before I went to seminary. And in my program, we studied presentation techniques extensively. We examined what works and what doesn't when it comes to public speaking. And we practiced presenting in front of each other routinely. In the first speech I gave as a freshman, I paced a lot, 
back and forth across the room. I was mimicking what I had seen some of my favorite speakers do. At the time, this is kind of this is so funny to say. At the time, I I was going to Life Church a lot. I, I am from Oklahoma City originally. And back then, Life Church was only like 5,000 people on a couple of campuses, like barely getting started <laughs> compared to their 45 campuses in 12 states and 100,000 people that they have today. But back then, they were just a small church of 5,000 people. Anyway, I was really enamored of Craig Groeschel. I thought he was an incredible communicator. Still do. He's one of the best out there. But back in those days, um, he walked just back and forth across the stage. I mean, just from one side to the other, to the other, to the other. And he was good at it. He was good at, he was a very physical and engaging speaker. Well, in my youth and ignorance, I just watched him do that. And I said, I want to be like that. <laughs> I want to do what he does. So I got up there to speak and just walked back and forth, just over here, over there, over here, over there. And, but the difference was his pacing was purposeful and intentional. Mine was aimless. My professor called me out on that and said, stop it with the pacing. I remember his name was Doug Duke. He said, stop it with the pacing. It adds nothing to your speech. And he was right. There was no intentionality to my pacing and my audience could easily pick up on that. When I observe preacher stage movements, I often can determine whether they've thought through their motions and how they come across or if they haven't. The problem with aimless pacing, especially from one side of the stage to the other, is it wears your listeners out. Not only do they have to pay attention to your content, what you're saying, but their brains are also trying to make sense of your movements what you're doing. If your pacing and movements are incongruent with what you're saying, your listeners will notice this and get frustrated with you and stop paying attention. So you don't want to risk this, but how do you know if your pacing is okay? Should you ditch it all together and just stand still? Could, couldn't pacing be helpful if it's intentional? I would not recommend ditching movement altogether. It can be another tool in your public speaking arsenal if it's intentional and purposeful. Here is the key distinction intentional stage movements versus aimless pacing. That's the key. No one who is a communication coach or knows anything about this would ever recommend pacing. That is a bad word in this field, and it should be a bad word to you as a preacher. Pacing denotes nervousness. It denotes like, it, think of a caged lion just going back and forth in the cage. You don't want that. It's uncomfortable. It makes you seem nervous. But intentional stage movement, maybe where if you transition from one thought to the other, you can move. Now, I will say sometimes this can be incredibly contrived and just appears fake to me. Like I don't, I don't like anything that comes across as inauthentic, which is why I really don't like a whole lot of TED Talks. I'm not saying TED Talkers are inauthentic, I'm just saying there is a way that TED Talks want you to speak, and it comes across as incredibly unnatural. So, but often when you watch TED Talkers speak, it's like they'll be over here and they'll make a statement, and then they'll turn and they'll walk this way, and make another statement. And you're just like, come on, like that, it doesn't seem real to me. But there, there is some power to that principle that you can, on a transition, like when you're transitioning from one thought to another, can be when you make a movement. I will say, if you have to like err on one side or the other, like being completely still, you're just standing in one spot versus aimless motion, 
always, always err on the side of just stand in one spot because it's way less distracting. Again, what we're going for here is not theatrics and not just having the, the most in, engaging, amazing, you know, like physically just doing lunges on the stage like you're Stephen Furtick. That's not what we're going for. What we're going for here is minimal distraction so that you can get your message across. And the best way to do that, to ensure that that happens, if you're untrained in this area, is to stay relatively still in terms of just where your body is. Now, you can use your hands, you can use eye contact, you can emote all you want. But if you stay in a relatively like four or five foot kind of box, it really helps to avoid aimless pacing because that can be incredibly distracting. Number four, constantly adjusting the head-worn microphone or clothing. A lot could be said about microphone usage while preaching. In a later post, I will dive into best practices with mics, whether handheld, head-worn, or lapel or podium. But for this purpose, I want to address a physical distraction when it comes to using a head-worn mic. These are incredibly common as the cost of technology has decreased. A head-worn mic usually consists of a small wire that holds its shape around one of your ears. So it kind of goes like this, and it goes down right there. So it wraps around your ear, and then it goes down kind of beside your mouth. These mics, uh, let's see, extension comes down your cheek just beside your mouth. The actual microphone is on the end of that extension. These mics are designed to be relatively unseen, and you don't have to hold them. The cord goes down your back unless... The cord goes down your back best when under your shirt so it's hidden into a receiver pack that makes the wireless function work. I see pastors constantly adjust the cord that goes down their backs because the cl their clothing pulls on it. So you'll see the speaker grab the cord from just below his ear and pull up. The cord will work its way back down and they'll pull it up again. This becomes habitual to the preacher and a major distraction to the audience. There's an easy fix, okay? Clip the cord to the back of your collar. When I speak at my church, one of the first things I say when they give me the mic is like, where's the clip? Because every one of these countryman mic kits comes with a clip for this exact purpose, but they get lost, they go unused. If I can't find the clip, I'll grab a paper clip, I'll grab duct tape, whatever I gotta do to connect that thing to the back of my collar where nobody sees it, I'm gonna do it. Because if I don't, as soon as that cord starts working its way down, what happens is it kind of pulls on your ear and you don't have as much range of motion. So your, your inclination is to pull it up. Well, gravity happens and it goes back down and then you pull it up again and it goes back down. And that is distracting. It makes, again, it makes you look nervous. It, it takes away from like what you're saying to what you're doing. People are like, oh, he keeps pulling on his cord. He's pulling his cord. So again, these are things that are minimal and yet when compounded, the aggregate of all of these put together can be really distracting. And not only distracting to your listeners, but this can be distracting to you. Just as you're trying to preach, you're going, oh man, this is, this is annoying to me. Another related distracting habit is the tendency to adjust clothing, pulling down the shirt, pushing up your sleeves, worse, adjusting the crotch area of your pants, okay? It's awkward, you know, avoid these ticks by rehearsing and exactly what you intend to wear when you preach. This will allow you to determine if the ensemble is going to work on stage. So dress comfortably, dress in a way that allows you to move freely and try to avoid pulling on that cord, clip it so that it stays in place. These, by the way, are things that when you think through these things ahead of time, they, they minimize 
the unknown. I love to minimize the unknown. I love to know exactly what to expect and to get rid of anything that might just be a last minute surprise that I really don't want. Number five, not fully articulating words or finishing sentences. Now, again, this is more of a verbal habit, but it's distracting nonetheless. If you've ever had to speak on camera and had a good videographer coaching you, you know how important it is to articulate on camera. Ways of expressing yourself that seem over the top in regular conversation come across as normal on camera. This is why you may be coached to smile bigger, to speak louder, to articulate clearer and gesture wider, right? In the moment, it seems ridiculous, but any videographer knows that if you don't express yourself in that way, it will result in a dull outcome. It is much the same when preaching or public speaking. If you have a tendency to mumble or not finish your words or sentences, it has an astronomical effect on how your speech is perceived by your listeners. Perhaps they can't understand what you said because you don't articulate your words clearly, or they can't fully hear you because you're speaking too quiet and without passion. In any case, the failure to articulate can be a huge distraction. Practice saying what you're going to say and make sure each word could stand on its own. Make sure each sentence, each thought makes sense and could stand on its own as a complete thought. This is a good way to overcome this habit. So when I was in my communications program, we went through a lot of words that we mispronounce in Oklahoma. I grew up in central Oklahoma, and so we had a list of like 100 commonly mispronounced or misunderstood words or phrases that are normal to us because of our region, but might not be known to other people. Or the way that we pronounce those words might be normal to us, but may not make sense to other people. And one of the things that came out of that is that the Oklahoma accent tends to be somewhat of a closed mouth, like mumbling accent. Some people think this goes back to the Dust Bowl days when people had to kind of cover their face with the handkerchief thing and keep their mouth as closed as possible to avoid just ingesting a bunch of dust all the time. I don't know if that's true or not, but the point is there's a tendency to kind of talk like this, where you're kind of like, you keep your mouth closed and you can, right? You're kind of mumbling your words out. So there's not a whole lot of opening your mouth. There's not a whole lot of articulating your words. I had no idea that I talked that, that way until I kind of went through this program. And I realized that I, when I watched myself on video, because we'd video ourselves speaking, and I'd watch back through it, and I would go, wow, I really thought I was communicating clearly. I really thought I was saying my words just as clear as, as the day, but I wasn't. I was saying them how I always said them, which was pretty muddled. So that's one of the things that you have to work on is fully articulate your words and finish your sentences. Stopping in the middle of a sentence and then skipping to another one can be distracting. People go, wait, you didn't finish that thought. Where are you going with this other one? Those are the kind of things that are really, really helpful to overcome. So there you have it. Please don't be discouraged. At any given time, even the most skilled communicators can demonstrate these distracting habits, period. And by the way, especially if you are real, and I wanna, I wanna say this, do not sacrifice authenticity to try to be polished. That is not the point. Be authentic, be who you are, but try to overcome unnecessary distractions as much as you possibly can. 
and do that in a way that's still natural to you and communicates to your audience. The key is to be aware of the distractions and work on improving. So what are some other distractions, things that preachers do that might be distracting? I'd love to hear from you in the comments below. If you haven't yet, go buy preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days, pick up your guide for free. I will see you next time in our next episode here at Preaching Donkey Podcast. Until then, remember if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you and he can speak through me.